People are looking again for a sense of purpose, a sense of care. They want flexibility, they want meaning, they want development. And so the companies who are going to win in the long run are going to need to invest in those areas. What is up, People First Leaders? Guess what? We are back with the Leading People First podcast. I am stoked to have my guest today, but let me introduce myself. My name is Chris Lynn, a People First Leader, talent developer, and I'm super excited, A, to be back, but B, to be bringing on this guest for our first reboot uh, person as we're rebooting the podcast. This People First Leader is a 15-year yogi and yogi teacher, an elite neuroencoding specialist. Don't worry, we will dive into what that is in just a little bit. Founder and head honcho of Luminous Spark Coaching and Consulting, wife, mother of two humans and one puppy, Siobhan. Welcome to the Leading People First podcast. It is so good to have you on. Hi, Chris. Thank you. So good to be here. Absolutely. Well, let's dive right in. Um, You preach self-care and really ensuring that not only are those that we lead are taken care of, but for us to take care of ourselves. So what have you done for your own self-care this week? This week? Okay. So one of the things that I have learned and embraced is the importance of celebration and appreciation and not just going from one thing to the other and feeling like there's always so much more to do and I'm drowning, but intentionally pausing and This week, I put two blocks of time in my calendar to celebrate. And actually, one is right after this podcast recording, um, where I'm just going to reflect and celebrate that we had this conversation. Um, I ordered Thai food last night, which was also celebrating a milestone that happened yesterday in my work. So being intentional about getting the good vibes going. Um, I have a workout plan this evening with a friend. I went to yoga earlier in the week. So those are some ways that I'm being intentional about my self-care. Awesome. I love that. I mean, there, it we it's so easy to forget, right? Like to take care of ourselves. Like we're constantly as leaders and especially people first leaders, we're like constantly pouring, pouring, pouring out. And like that cliche of you can't pour from an empty cup definitely rings true. So yeah. glad to hear that you are uh, finding ways to fill up your own cup. So as we are, you know, going into the conversation about leading people first, first, I want to hear what it means to you to lead people first. Yeah. So I think at a high level, there are two things that come to mind. And the first is just recognizing that people are more than employees. They are whole human beings with lives outside of work, responsibilities, families, aspirations, quirks unique perspectives. And so really honoring everything that people bring to the table. And the second piece of it for me is being intentional about developing people leadership first. So leading people means understanding who they are, what makes people tick on both a broad level and an individual level. So, you know, thinking broadly, it's things like, how do we connect people to the purpose of their work? How do we help them connect to their strengths and, you know, bring those forward? 
Um, but there's something about developing our our skills to work well with people so we can lead them well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the skill development is something that I personally am, you know, that I do on a day-to-day basis. And I know that that's something you do as well. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that we're in this time right now as of March 22nd, 2023, where we're in Mm -hmm. this huge state of economic turmoil and uncertainty, right? Like Silicon Valley Bank just went under. We're seeing hundreds of thousands of people being laid off as of just 2023, not including the other hundreds of thousands of people that got laid off in 2022. Right. And you're seeing organizations cut investment and and expenses. And unfortunately, one of those expenses tends to be employee development. And as one person put it in in one of my LinkedIn posts, and I I forgot about the difference between urgency and importance, right, is Mm. a lot of the business processes and decisions that need to be made are based on an urgency, right? Whereas level of importance may not be as high for those decisions, yet the urgency is higher than the importance of something like employee development. So how did you come to this realization to lead people first, to really focus on employee development? Like walk us through your journey a little bit on how you came to where you are today. Yeah. Uh, So I was one of those people who really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but I have always had sort of this innate sense of empathy and curiosity about people. And I studied sociology in college, got really fascinated with, um, you know, social dynamics and how we can create environments where people can be at their best. And I went into education from there. So my first Um, profession was teaching. And I taught in an underserved community um, because I feel passionate that everyone should have opportunity to realize their potential. And then I moved into, um, you know, nonprofit leadership roles, people and culture work where I have consulted with execs on talent strategy and led talent development. And I think for me, what really lit my passion for a people first approach was honestly personal experience, working with and observing other leaders. And I think back to like this pivotal moment when I was early in my career and I had a super demanding job and it was very specific about you know, how to approach things. I was doing a ton of travel, like multiple trips a week, early morning flights, late night flights, evening events. And I was burning the candle at both ends and wearing down. And I remember the manager I had at the time um, was a brand new manager, like thrown into it. Right. And at a certain point, I brought up what we were calling work-life balance um, because it wasn't working for me. Like the way I was operating wasn't sustainable. And I was hoping she would say something like, oh, I totally see what you're saying. Let's figure this out. And what she actually said was, this role comes at a high cost. 
And that was like the end of the conversation. And I left feeling dismissed and like my well-being as a person wasn't important. And it just so happened that a new manager joined that team. I transferred over to working with her and it was like night and day. And I stayed on her team for five years. I was ready to leave, you know, before my manager (laughs) changed, but I stayed with this woman for five years and she has been like an incredible mentor for me. And when I became a parent, I'm still in a demanding job with a lot of travel. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue doing this with like a little human depending on me. And she said, we have to figure this out. Like we have to figure this out for you and for other people who, you know, are going to become parents. Um, And we did. And so it's like, just that experience of feeling like somebody cares about me, having me on the team, what I can bring and wants to make work work for me. It's huge. Um, So what brings me to this work is that personal experience and seeing other people experience similar things like having worked in HR and seeing people who just like sing their managers praises and are so happy and thriving um, and other people who again feel really invalidated and um, burnt out and just wanting everybody to have that opportunity to thrive um, in the work that they're doing. Yeah I mean it's unfortunate that the great people first managers are fewer than we would like right like it's Mm -hmm. it it, they tend to be outliers versus the norm and at least in my uh, for for myself my thoughts and opinions on this is that it's because we measure the wrong things right organizations businesses and their managers are going to be promoted and measured based on or they're going to behave based on what what they're being held accountable to. And usually those are things like business numbers, profit, mm-hmm. expenses, right, productivity, those those sort of things. Are we missing some sort of metric that will better promote at the behaviors that we want of people first leaders? And if so, what are they? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think some organizations are better at this than others. Some place more of an emphasis on being a strong people leader. And they do things like whether it's employee engagement surveys or 360 reviews, things that surface, what experience are people having with their managers? And I think that is an important piece of the puzzle. Um, because we do want to emphasize with people who are leading other people that the experience their team members are having matters. And I, I agree with you. Like there are people who get results, whatever that looks like in their context, whether it's sales, et cetera, sometimes at the expense of their people, Yeah. but that doesn't last. Like I have seen those teams crumble, right? And team members who are, well, leaving, (laughs) um, talking about, you know, the experience on that team poorly, it impacts the 
company's brand. It impacts the ability to attract more talent, retain talent, and sustain strong results. Um, so I think we have to recognize that in the long run, it is so worth investing in our people and investing in developing strong leaders. And I always share this statistic, but it's just amazing that when we think about employee engagement, 70% of the variance in how engaged team members are comes down to their manager. So I am seeing organizations that recognize the importance and want to continue making that investment. And even in companies that, and, and again, it varies, but um, you know, some of the clients that I work with are also laying people off, but continuing to invest in leadership development because they recognize, hey, we're in a tough place right now. Like this has yeah. impacted people. And we want the people who are here to know that we still care about them. We're investing in them. Um, there is a trajectory here. So um, I, I actually think it's more important than ever to signal like we care about our people and we are investing in our employees. It's so true. Unfortunately, I, I just don't see that case. I would love to, like, if you are comfortable sharing your clients and giving them a shout out, like, I would love to hear that as well. It's just, I, I'm i seeing so many talent development professionals, HR professionals um, being, you know, th essentially tossed aside, like their jobs don't make an impact. And you're right, right? Like, leaders are, and that's why I have this podcast, right? Is because... Mm -hmm there's a recognition that leadership is the number one driver to the employee experience and, and engagement, yeah. which is why I wanted to have you on here is, is because you know, you believe that and there's data to show that Yes. yet there's even with the data, with all of this information that's out there, executive leadership still tends to make very short sighted decisions that don't mm -hmm. benefit them in the long run. Mm -hmm. So how, like, what have you done to have those conversations to shift the way that they're thinking and shift their framing on investing in people and ensuring that people are, you know, their own people should be the number one stakeholder in their organization. Yeah. So to be really honest, I don't tend to work with people that I have to convince that this matters. Um, I mean, yes, I am happy to educate people, share the research about, um, again, things like employee engagement, how critical leaders and managers are to the experience of their team. And, um, you know, ultimately that drives the business results. But if companies aren't seeing that, those are the companies I'm personally working with um, because this is a huge value for me. And I want to make sure that like the values of the companies I work with align with that and they are ready and willing to make those investments. Um, so personally, I'm not, I'm not super in the business of trying to convince people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's my honest answer there. No, that's totally okay, right? I, I think, you know, that there is something to be said about working with organizations and teams that you're fully aligned with because 
the buy-in's already there and they're going to be just that much more of an advocate for yeah. your work, right? And they're really going to push things forward. Yeah. And I One will thing say, that you, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, no, I, go ahead. I think about that sometimes and how my perspective is probably skewed because I do work with companies who care about this. Um, and so sometimes I see the statistics, you know, more broadly and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> um, it, it, it is striking um, that there are a lot of companies that aren't yet recognizing the importance of leadership yeah. development and building a strong culture. Totally. I, something that I, I think that is an effect on this, and I would love to get your perspective on this, is because we, when we talk about systems, right, and I'm talking about yeah. societal systems, our societal mm -hmm. system around capitalism has been so strong for over a couple centuries, yeah. right, at this point in the United States. And because of that, it is ingrained into how we raise our kids because we mm -hmm. say, hey, we want you to succeed in today's world. That means we need to, especially past generations, we need to um, promote these skills for you. We want to build these skills for you as, as our kids. And then they grow up with those as their values, as the skill sets, and then yeah. it just kind of perpetuates the system on. As an educator or a previous educator, how do you think we can shift that in the workplace where it's needed the most and for us to, you know, allow it to trickle out into society for us to actually make a societal impact. Yeah. I think that the change is already underway. And I mean, I think it was underway prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic accelerated it. And we are now seeing that people will leave jobs um, you know, if they don't feel like they have the flexibility to show up in the ways that they want to show up in their life outside of work, if they feel like their job is having a negative impact on their wellness or their mental health. And like you're saying, there's um, variance between generations too. So younger generations are more likely to leave jobs and, you know, demand certain things of their employers. And so I think it's time for employers to adapt, you know, to the times and to what people are valuing today. Um, you know, and people are looking again for a sense of purpose, a sense of care. They want flexibility. They want meaning. They want development. Um, and so the companies who are going to win in the long run are going to need to invest in those areas. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so, okay, so I, I want to go back, take a step back because I, we yeah. blew past this. And I wanted to ask you this question before we get yeah. even further down the rabbit hole. So, yeah. Again, you're a neuroencoding specialist. Mm -hmm. I had to look up what neuroencoding is. And as someone who's fascinated by neuroscience, I think I have a grasp of what that is. Yeah. But for those listening and only for those listening, not me for sure, uh, can you share what neuroencoding is? Of course. Um, so I've been studying neuroencoding for the last few years. And it is essentially how we train our brain to default to 
our best feeling state and our best behavior. And I got into this because I became really fascinated with what really helps people be at their best. And part of that was personal experience too, like having gone through burnout um, and wanting to develop myself and be at my best. And so some of the really powerful things that I've learned through neuroencoding are like, first of all, how we even function as human beings and how powerful our thought patterns are. Um, and a lot of the time we're unconscious of, you know, the thoughts that are going through our minds. But when we can become more aware and shift our thought patterns, it feels better. We, um, you know, are more motivated. We are realizing, you know, our, our growth and our potential. Um, so I am happy to talk more about that, but it has been just such a transformation for me personally to understand, again, like how we function as people and how we can be intentional about um, like managing our nervous systems to mm-hmm. be at our best. So let's let's apply that, right? Especially yeah. to this conversation. So. How, if you were to bring up neuroencoding to mm-hmm. a manager or an executive team or leader, and they're all in on bringing a people first experience into their yep. workplace and being better people first leaders, what is the correlation there and how does that affect the employee experience? Yeah. So I bring it into my work all the time and I'm not necessarily explicit about it. Like, let's do some neuroencoding. But I have learned techniques that I can bring in. And so an example of that is um, leadership identity. And so like taking a step back for a minute, one of the things that I've learned is just the importance of our psychology. And uh, my mentor says that 80% of our success is driven by our psychology, which is basically how we think about ourselves, how we think about other people, how we think about the world. And the most powerful piece of that is how we think about ourselves. And personally, I'm like, whoa, that rings really true for me. Um, When I started my business, for example, I saw myself as a contractor. Like I am taking contract work with different companies and doing manager trainings. And at a certain point, I realized I absolutely love this work. This is what I want to throw myself into. And I need to upgrade how I'm thinking about what I do. I'm not a contractor. I am a business owner and a CEO. And um, that shift in my mindset helped me show up differently in my business and make more investments in myself and my business to really grow and do what I'm doing at a higher level. So this is true of leaders too, you know, and people who are becoming new managers or maybe they're stepping into an executive role for the first time are often thinking like, oh my God, how did I get here? How am I supposed (laughs) to act? What am I doing? Right? There's like the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, all of these things. But when we can be intentional about, all right, let's upgrade your psychology and your leadership identity so you are at your best, then they can define like 
it might feel aspirational initially, but you know, I am an executive leader who, you know, cares about my people, gets results, whatever it is. And you embed that in your nervous system. And again, so much of this is happening on a subconscious level, but you start to show up differently. So it's, I, I think that's maybe the best way I have to describe it. It's like shifting your psychology so you are bringing forward your best. That's incredible. And I love the psychological aspect of it. That's something that got me into, you know, going into business. I, I actually thought I wanted to go into psychology as, you know, in college and realized I didn't want to be a therapist. And then I realized there's this whole world of, psychology within business yes. and I was like oh yeah like I could do that like there's a practical application for it and I was like yes so that's uh, that's a different story and it's not about me so I want to make sure that we focus on on what you're doing and and how you're bringing change and so you know you mentioned that the the psychology of things mm -hmm. and, and the way that we learn especially and I've heard you say this is that you know learning is very quickly forgotten right and mm it's so important to reinforce the way that we see ourselves or re reinforce the positive things we see of ourselves or reinforce the skills that we learn to become better leaders. Yeah. And again, you, you went from educating children to adults. Mm -hmm. I would love to know, like, what was the most shocking thing you discovered when you made that shift from, you know, children pedagogy to, you know, andragogy to adults? Oh, wow. Um, well, I will say I taught bilingual kindergarten. So I taught five-year-olds and that is a completely different world. I much prefer working yeah. with adults. Like I love kids, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've learned a lot about adult learning. And um, I mean, what's coming up for me is that it has to be super, super relevant to what they're thinking about and facing at any given time. Um, so adults are busy and um, we don't want to waste their time. It has to be timely, relevant information. And I think it's important to tap into, um, you know, the learner's perspective too in adult learning. Nobody wants to be like preached to. And one of the things that I love so much about my work is just seeing how different people think about things differently and take different approaches. So oftentimes it's less about teaching something and more about providing like some structure or a framework to help people um, wrestle with and figure out how they want to move forward in the work that they're doing. Um, so helping people really identify like their own strengths and um, how leadership is going to work best for them. And I actually think that's super, super important because a lot of people are like looking left, looking right, saying, you know, this is how my manager is. So I need to be like that. And mm -hmm. that's exhausting when you yeah. are trying to emulate other people. Um, I think it's important for us to look inward and see like, what are my values and what are my strengths? How do I want to be? as a leader um, and let me show up in that way. Of course, learning from 
what they're observing around them and taking what works for them and leaving what doesn't. Um, but yeah, I just really want people to tap into their unique brilliance and bring that forward rather than trying to like play a role of what I think a manager should be, because maybe that's not what it should be, or maybe that's yeah. not how it works well <laughs> for me. Totally. I, I mean, self-discovery and self-reflection is something that is not practiced, at least here in the United States, very much, right? And, and it's not part of our society. And we don't allow individuals to necessarily reflect on who they are. And it's something that I think is, uh, can't think of the word right now, but it's just not done enough, right? And yeah. it's something that, at least for me, every time I start any sort of learning programs at any organization is actually about self-discovery. Like, who am I? Mm -hmm. What are my strengths? How do I react to things? How are people perceiving me? How do I perceive myself? Yeah. I, you know, as you said, and it's so, so important because it shows them where they currently are versus like where they may want to be or may, they may want to go or what they can do. Right. Mm -hmm. And you brought up time being the, you know, one of the biggest constraints of developing leaders and, and, you know, making sure that they can make change and allowing even employees to connect and build trust. So what have you done to combat that time restraint? For myself or within the, uh, companies? sorry. Yeah. Within, within the companies that you work with. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think that's the constraint. I think, so yeah. yeah. Um, because when I'm working with leaders or doing leadership development programs, people are showing up, they are taking the time and they're hungry for it. So I don't actually see that as the barrier. I think the barrier is more getting to that point where people are hungry for it and they see the value. So, um, but they do because the people that I work with, you know, are saying things like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Just like somebody help me. I need some support. Like they want to invest in their own development because they want to be great as leaders and for their team. Um, and do think it, it takes organizational support the organization needs to support. And maybe, again, that's where I've been very fortunate to partner with organizations who say like, yes, absolutely. Take those 90 minutes a week, go to the leadership development session, spend your time doing like the reflection for that. Let's talk about it in, you know, check-in. Um, so I do think that organizational support and investment matters, but where leaders are hearing your development and your success as a leader is a priority for us. So we are offering this to you. We want you to take full advantage of it. I am seeing people show up and take full advantage of it and, um, you know, get the return on that too, in terms of feeling like I am confident in who I am and what I bring um, I mean, of course, there's always ongoing development and things come up and, you know, throw people and um, we grow through that. But I don't think it's time. 
I think it's, you know, valuing it and recognizing the importance, but that people really do want it. Well, that's awesome to hear, right? Like maybe it's, you know, it's, it's probably me being a bit more jaded to, to, or skeptical to some of the scenarios I've personally experienced and maybe it's contextual. yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's great to hear. That's fantastic. And that once individual people find the value they will make that time right to invest in themselves to grow and to become better people and to have a better influence um so as we're wrapping up two more questions great what is the impact that you want to leave when you are leading others or when you're working with different organizations yeah i want people to know that they're capable and worthy um And I think part of that is like losing that for myself at a certain point. And, you know, you were talking about social conditioning and just like grinding, grinding. Um, And I did that for (laughs) quite a number of years and got to the point where I actually had lost track of like what I care about Mm -hmm. and what impact I want to have and what strengths I want to bring. I feel like I lost my voice and that's really sad. You know, if we're uh, losing connection to what makes us awesome and what drives us. And so I want people to do that self-reflection and know that they're capable and that they can have an impact. And what an amazing asset to our organizations if people are showing up in that way and like bringing the best of themselves. Um, So I think linked to that, I want workplaces to be places that honor people and bring out the best in them. I love it. Um, Can't promote that enough. And I think that's so critical for every organization that we want people to show up to be the best versions of who they are because ultimately, and I know you've said this in the past before, right? Like ultimately that leads to more productive employees. They become more efficient. They become happier, right? They end up with, you know, having better care for themselves. The wellness factor, like costs go down, revenues go up, right? Like there's a huge impact to organizational bottom line. So something that I, you know, I just want to say, I love hearing that. Yes. And thank you for saying that because I think sometimes people think like investing in the people is at the expense of the bottom line. And it's so the opposite, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and when people are happy and happiness seems sort of like a weird thing to talk about for work, but it's woo woo. It sounds woo woo. Right. But it's not, but there's research that shows that when people are happy, they are 20% more productive. And if you think about that, that's enormous. That's like getting an extra day in your work week. It's huge. Um, So yes, let's like promote the energy and the positive work culture and, you know, get people jazzed up to do awesome work. Totally. So does that mean you're uh, in favor of the four day work week? (laughs) Just have to ask. I don't have a strong opinion on that. (laughs) I mean, Sure. But I know some people prefer it. Some people feel like, you know, I would have to cram so much into four days. Um, so I'm in favor of flexibility generally. Yeah. Um, and that can look different for different people. Yeah. 
I mean, it depends on the business, right? Like that's one, right? Like what is the business mm -hmm. operational need? And then from there, like, what is, what do the employees actually want? Like what, what yeah. works best for them? And I know you've talked about like really researching, like what your employees need and want to ensure that you are maximizing the, again, their productivity and their value and their, um, what they can do in the time that they have with the organization. Yeah. So um, as we get ready to wrap, uh, final thing, what is the next thing that those who are watching or listening should do? Um, hmm. Well, I want us to build a movement for workplaces that are great for humans and great for business. So what that looks like might look different for different people, but I'd love to stay connected with folks that, um, you know, are like-minded in that way. So connect with me on LinkedIn. Would love um, to keep this conversation going. Um, and I think, you know, keep leaning into the self-reflection, personal aspirations, so you're bringing the best in yourself forward. And, you know, for people who are leading other people, modeling that for your team um, is really important too. So I guess there's just so much, Chris. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I know that you've you've seen some of the content that I share on LinkedIn. So maybe that's the concrete thing. Um, like if this is resonating, please do connect with me there because I'd love to continue to share information um, that can be helpful for leaders who want to lead people first. And I'm always um, excited to talk with people about what they're experiencing too, and if I can be helpful. Um, so reach out. Yeah. Connect. Awesome. A hundred percent. We'll make sure that we have Siobhan's contact information, her website, her company website, LinkedIn, all of that stuff will be in the show notes and the, the descriptions. So Siobhan, thank you again so much for coming on the Leading People First podcast. It was great having you. Um, and yeah, we'll talk soon. I loved being here. Thank you so much, Chris. I really value the work that you're doing and the perspective that you bring to this too. Thanks. And it is that time where I start saying goodbye and thank you for tuning in to this conversation on the Leading People First podcast. I truly do hope that you enjoyed it and found some value in it. If you did like this episode, please click that subscribe or follow button. And if you really found value in you know, what we talked about today, make sure you're sharing it with a fellow People First leader and let them know what you thought. Let's keep this conversation going by telling me what you thought or loved about this episode on YouTube, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Thank you again for tuning in. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.